You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. I have, I have issues with. Uh-huh. Of course, of course, I always have issues, and I think that's how we're going to start geekiest show this week. Uh, uh, this week, people, is that I have issues, and I think we may talk about some of them. But you uh, have issues, I have issues, we all have issues. Yeah, I probably Let's have back issues cream. too. Um, uh, but, but before we do, as, as tradition, our, our weather, and I think ours is finally, you know, it's about where I want it. It's a little, it's kind of a damp Memorial Day weekend, but it's not terrible. Uh, temperatures in the sixties. There's none of that white crap on the ground that Kevin also loves so much. Um, that crap is away. And, you know, it's finally starting to turn into summer here. I think, uh, Friday it was up to 80, I believe. So, uh, the weather I like. Um, are you about ready to open that pool, uh, uh, Elisa? Or pool has been opened. Feet ah. have been in. Aha. Feet came out quickly because it was fifty-eight <laughs> degrees. Yeah, you just had flurries uh. not long ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was. I'm not sure what the high was today. Seventy-nine. It might have been. And like you, Mike, it was eighty the last couple of days. This week on Tuesday, it's supposed to hit ninety, and I am there for it. And let's see, it's supposed to be the 80s the rest of the week and then drop down to the high 70s next weekend. And the evening time overnight, our low on Thursday is 69. Like, oh, this is so good. The windows, I've got all the windows open. I changed out my winter clothes for my summer clothes. Bathing suits are ready. I don't know if I'm ready to fit into them. (laughs) <laughs> with the way we have been doing our quarantine eating. <laughs> like I said, before we started recording, I've got Ben and Jerry's waiting for me. <laughs> so we'll and, see. And, and Melissa, do we, is there any variation in your hmm. weather or is it just hot? Well, isn't that special? Uh, <laughs> t- tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday will be the last few days for a while where we have double digits. It's all in the triple digits from now on. The rest of the week is all 103. Not, it couldn't be like 101. No, it's got to be 103, 105 for the rest of the yep. week. It's hot and sunny. So, yeah, we just we don't even go outside. See, see now, like, you know, quarantine, no big deal. This this is like normal for us <laughs> this time of year. It does suck. But it really sucks because I wanted to get a damn pool, a little blow up pool for the backyard. And everywhere is out of them. Everybody had the same damn idea. So uh, a blow-up pool a or blow up what? Pool. Yeah, I mean, I wanted something a little bit better this time around. We had gotten, you know, those little rectangular jobbies because we we have a nice yard. The problem is we don't have any good consistent space to actually put a big one up. I mean, now that the kids are older, you know, I wouldn't mind maybe thinking about investing in one because they're older now. When they were younger, I, I worried a lot more. But now they're, you know, if we did actually go to a public pool, they, they're fish out of water. You can't keep them out of it. Um, so that would be really helpful, <laughs> but the problem is we have like a big swing set and we have like two, you know, storage sheds and it's just, it's just awkward. So there's, there's not a lot of good consistent space, but we do have like a little section where we had put a little 10 foot jobby in there, like a little rectangular one, just a blow up one, just to kind of see if we could, you know, keep it going. And of course we couldn't, it was a failure because <laughs> they were too little and well. you know, not enough help to, to take care of it. But now that they're older, I was thinking of trying it again. But everywhere is out. Like I wanted to get a bigger, a bigger circular one, you know, like a, a 30 inch one, something we could actually really, you know, maybe I could do some exercise in. I mean, it's still, what I truly need is a 48 inch, but 
you know how it goes with the size ratios. You, you're talking like a 15 foot, then there's there's nothing in a 10 foot size. So that's um, a challenge. I was I was going to you know the farmer and me is going to throw out a suggestion for you. Okay. Go to a farm a farm supply store and see if you can find a stock tank. A stock tank? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Like what an aluminum that? or a plastic or a rubber, like a a, a, a tank that animals drink out of. Yeah. You can get them in various sizes. How deep it would are be sturdy. they? Oh, uh, you can get them, um, oh, 20, 30 inches deep, I yeah? think. Hmm. I should have maybe looked, uh, I should have maybe uh, got this done before we started <laughs> talking. But uh, Well, it's definitely food me... for thought. Interesting. Um, because, uh, yeah, you can get them in different sizes. Because that's what we had out on the farm was just a hmm. uh, uh, galvanized stock tank. Are they made out of PVC um, or like what kind of plastic are they made out of? Because, you know, the sun murders uh, plastic out here. Right. Well, I think you get rubber. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see. Just doing a quick uh, on mm -hmm. Amazon here. Here is a, uh, I don't see how big this one is, but maybe they've got other sizes too. Uh, a Rubbermaid tank. Hmm. Uh, let me copy this and drop it. a link it in, the, in the chat. Well, that'd be an interesting. Uh, I think that's interesting. I think that's really interesting to kind of think outside the box a little bit or outside the tank a little. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm a farmer. I always think outside the box. You have to <laughs> yeah. think on your feet. Yeah. Okay, I dropped in. And like I say, I can't see. You know, this would like be like a person-sized. Yeah. Uh, it's a 150-gallon tank. Uh -huh. uh, here's a 300-gallon tank on the page. Uh, what's the dimensions on that one? Yeah, that's about um, what those pools are going for nowadays, if, if they were in yeah. stock, that is. That's the other thing I can't stand, the price gouging. Oh, my God. So hmm, much that price looks gouging. like a that almost looks like a hot tub. Yeah, it does. <laughs> kind of, kind of. It's it's rubber made. Um, a stock tank. And like I say, yeah. Huh. Um, and like I say, it's better than the blow up ones. It would be sturdy right. because it's uh, it's made to be outside because yeah. you know you water your animals in it or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, then you could uh, hook up a. Uh, I'm pretty sure it should have a bung on there that you can take out. This is so 25 inches. Yeah, it does. It has a drain hole. Uh, so I don't know if you could get, uh, you know, that there wouldn't be big enough to get, you know, the family in. But, you know, one right. person could get down in it and soak. And yeah. uh, but I it's think like an outdoor if you bathtub. To... <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, and then down here there is a, uh, that's a, well, it's a little bit bigger, high capacity. So that's 52 inches by 46 by 23 and a half tall. So, uh, yeah, you know, you may have to, you know, and this is all on Amazon, but mm -hmm. I, I would think that somewhere down in Phoenix, there should be a farm supply place that you could go and yeah. see what they have down there. Or I was thinking maybe like a nursery or something. Cause yeah, I mean, there's definitely like horse farms and stuff like that around here in Tucson. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. So that's kind of what you're looking for. And like I say, it's made to be yeah. outside. So, Interesting. um, we'll see if that helps, but, yeah. um, Kind of uh, following on last week's show where we talked about designs that had influenced people. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to talk about bad designs because mm -hmm. we've run into a few of those. And, um, and, was, and it kind of works with something else that we had talked about earlier or we had discussed having on the show earlier. And that is because, um, uh, Elisa, your washer has died or is dying. What's the state of your? It goes back and forth. It's not sure okay. what it wants to do. 
Ah, schizophrenic. Awesome. Yep. Uh, so it's got you thinking about a replacement. Appliances. Yeah, which yeah. I really don't want to spend the money on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, then that kind of led to the discussion about, you know, good washers and dryers and what's out there. And, and how well um, things are made and how things are designed to yeah. fall apart after a certain period of prescribed time. Yes. Planned and obsolescence. Me, planned obsolescence. Yes. And for me, working at the school, I've had to deal with a few appliances in the, uh, we call it the facts kitchen. Was it food and consumer science? Um, it used to call it, be called home ec. Yeah, Don't call it I that. remember that. Uh, you'll get hurt. Yes. And so there's been, uh, one was a built-in oven that was in there. The oven itself was fine, but it's the control panel that was on there because it had a push-button control panel. Well, I don't know if some of these testosterone-addled um, uh, teenagers in there was punching on it, but the oh. panel had little plastic clips that held it in place. Well, so they pushed so hard, the clips broke off, and the panel kind of oh. fell back into the stove. Oh, well, that was a few years ago. So me being, again, the uh, farmer that I am, thinking outside the box, I took it apart uh, and put some metal clips in there to hold it. But then this winter, finally, the panel, just from pressure, kind of started to crack in half and fold in. So there was no saving that. The oven itself still works. It's just that stupid control panel and the clips that hold it in just suck. So then they had to break down and buy a new um uh, oven to put in there and same well and then the washer had an issue with the button that you push to start it same thing the plastic clips broke well then i went in there and drilled through so it's not exactly pretty not factory store pretty but it looks acceptable uh put bolts in there to hold the thing in place but it's just i understand plastic is cheap and it's moldable and everything else but it also breaks especially if you have people using it all the time and that, I think, is a, a bad design that, you know, I wish there could be something done about it. I get plastics probably makes it cheaper to manufacture. And sometimes people don't always want to pay for quality. But you got to look at the long run, too, because if you got to fix this thing. Well, it's also uh, the computer part of it, too. We had a microwave that we keep our microwaves over the stove because we have the fan underneath it where I had bought. Oh, gosh, I think it was a sharp, but don't. Don't hold me to that. And I only had it maybe six years and I couldn't read the numbers anymore. So if I, if I hit, you know, five minutes, I could, there was nothing up there to tell me how long it had left to go. So I called the repair person and they were going to repair the computer behind it. And the thing was, I said, why don't you just give me a new microwave? Because it will be cheaper to put a new microwave in than Mm -hmm. it will be to replace that one part. They're not allowed to. I was under a contract, so it didn't cost me anything for them to do it. But still, it's like, wouldn't it be cheaper? And the guy goes, yeah, it would be cheaper just to give you a brand new microwave. I said, it doesn't have to be an increase. You know, give me the same thing I've got or as close to what they have now as possible. I'm not asking you to give me top of the line. They said, we're not allowed to do that. I'm like, does this make any sense? There's so many things like that here. I don't know if it's, I'm sure it happens in other countries too, but it just seems like there's so many things that are just, it's a very impractical way to do business. And it seems like there has to be a certain amount of waste. It's built around some kind of write-off system or something. That drives me nuts. That drives me nuts. Like like oh. right now, what's going on in the supply chain with with all the reports, seeing how all the food, I mean, Mike, you can probably speak to this too, if you've mm. seen the way that you know farms work yeah. and stuff. It just drives me nuts that there's all this food that has to be wasted, that has to be thrown out 
because it can't get to consumers. Now, fortunately, out here in Arizona, we have something called Produce on Wheels Without Waste. And we've used it a couple of times. And it's one of those things where you have to like a lot of squash. You know, you have to, it, it's a lot. You get like 70 pounds of produce for $12. You drive, you go, they load it into your, you know, you pop your trunk, they load it in your trunk. You, you know, use a contactless payment or hand of cash through a slip in the window or something. Um, and I, we did it last time. It, it was a lot of squash. That's why I said that. And uh, a lot of tomatoes, you know, things that we could definitely use. And we made, you know, a lot of food out of that. Um, what was nice is I was actually able to give some to the neighbor because there was just so much that it was going to go to waste, you know, sitting there. But I like programs like that, but there's not enough of those. I think there needs to be more. We've got to do something about being able to get that well, supply. Diverted yeah, and, and like you said, you're talking about food. Yeah, and living out here in farm country when it comes to certain things anyway. You know, part of I'm, – I'm hoping something that comes out of this. I've always believed that you're better off to have things as local as mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. And part of the problem is like with the meat supply right now. Yeah, that's a um, big issue. There's like four main packers in the country that I think control about 80% of the meat. Mm -hmm. Well, the the one in, in Sioux Falls, uh, the big um, uh, the Smithfield. Smithfield plant, yep. yeah, had issues down there. And uh, a few others uh, have had uh, issues, and that screws up the whole meat supply. Well, I'm hoping that you know, this will get people to start thinking more about having um, butcher shops or local uh, meat, mm -hmm. uh, you know, butchering facilities so that it's more dispersed because that's the problem with centralization like that. You have everything centralized, mm -hmm. you have an issue, you've kind of screwed up things. And so, yeah, I think there does need to be some, you know, rethinking of, um, like you say, the, the way uh, we do supply chain. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, but don't you need, in case of meatpacking plants, don't you need to have them close to the source? Yeah, because I was going to say not cow... every state can have farm have yeah, land for cows to graze and stuff. Yeah, because the cows and the pigs yeah. are in your neck of the woods for the most mm. part. I know that they're different mm. parts of the country to have different types of animals, but if they're, you don't want to have the um, you know the cattle in Montana and then send them to Florida to be processed well, even, even if you had regional ones you know rather than you know what we you know have now but you know smaller ones and more diverse and the thing is there are you know when it comes to cattle um, there are they are spread out I bet if you even look in New York there are cattle farmers in New I, York yeah but I think they're milk milk and dairy they're not well, it does. It does seem like the northeastern cows are more dairy. It seems like I don't know if that's true. But, the, but. still, the thing is, though, when mm -hmm. you have cows, they have calves. Mm -hmm. You don't do except for breeding. You don't do much with the uh, the males, the uh, mm -hmm. steers or the bulls. Uh, that would still have to go into meat mm -hmm. um, because it's the the, the milk producing cows, the females that. Uh, are in demand for dairy. So you still are going to have a supply of uh, cows for meat there. And Holstein meat is, yeah, that's primarily what most dairy farms are. You know, it's still good enough meat. It may not be Angus, but, uh, you know. But, yeah, but that's uh, part of the problem is I think as Americans, we're like we're, we've grown to be too fussy about things or we've grown to be too, like there's too much abundance when it comes to meat. You know, we don't need to have the amount. I mean, Personally, if I could be a vegetarian, I probably would be like, I could live without meat. I could mm -hmm. if I had to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I know people like, I who even, just can't. 
Yeah, I don't like beef. And it's got nothing to do with what's going on now. I have mm. never in my entire life liked beef. Yeah, like I don't like but pork. But I buy it. I buy see I like pork mm. but and chicken. But my husband loves beef. So I right. buy him steak and yeah. roast beef and I eat a teeny tiny bit just to say, mm. Well, I've got two bites of protein today. Right. Yeah. And that's just it too. Like I don't know that like scientifically we could live without I mean, plenty of people do. Plenty of people find ways. plenty of people do live without meat. I think that you know, I still need to have some of that protein. I feel I feel like there's like a case for that. But there's so much of it. I just think we have an overabundance and we waste so much food if we could just kind of reel it in a little bit and just take better stock of what we actually have. I mean, back, I hear people talking about it more and I'm like, oh, I used to do that years and years ago. I mean, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago when I worked in industry, we would go in on a big piece. We would go in on like a steer or something like we would go in on one mm -hmm. big piece of meat and it would be like a cost share, share, you know, but you know, what's, what's so, I guess, undesirable about that it's not packaged nicely it's you know you don't go to some sanitary grocery store and go get it in this nice little wrapped package no you get it like in a bag or something and then you have to you might have to know a butcher that cuts it up into the pieces that you want or something you got to do a little bit of work you know it's like that's what i think a lot of the problem stems from things are just packaged too nicely and neatly and people aren't willing to get their hands dirty that's my opinion well and you see out here, you know, you know, when we had a farm, well, we kind of got away from it because it finally was just, you know, well, for that a while. Just, well, I mean, we, um, for us to haul an animal to town, we didn't have, you know, a, a trailer to haul one in mm -hmm. because when we sold the cows, we would have like a big semi come in. So we never had, you know, mm -hmm. something to haul like a animal. So getting it to town was a little problematic. And then for us to butcher a cow uh, at when we were still farming, there was just basically the three of us, the kids were like really small. Mm -hmm. um, it just wasn't practical. But yeah, mm -hmm. when I was growing up, we would take in a cow and have it butchered and the locker would, you know, uh, keep it for us for a while. Of course, they, you know, they charged for that. You had to bring it home. But, mm -hmm. you know, we would do that. But, um, you know, that's a lot of meat to take care of. But it just, mm -hmm. it finally got to the point where it was just easier for us for the amount that we were eating just mm -hmm. to go to the store and buy yeah, it. But, yeah. um, uh, but, you know, I think that is something that, uh, like I say, a, a redesign there and maybe, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to sit down and think about all these things, the supply mm -hmm. chain, or think about a lot of things that we do and just see if they can be done differently. differently. Yeah, yeah. But, Something's um, got to change because it ain't working the way it is now. Yeah. And, you know, it's like we right. have this total system collapse. So somewhere along the way, I think maybe we got a little too big for our bridges or we got too comfortable with things and relied upon things, even though, you know, we know that this could happen, but just didn't want to believe it. And now here it is. So it's forcing us to reevaluate everything right down to the way our bathrooms and restrooms are designed and the things that we put into them. <laughs> so, well, yeah, because uh, I understand you got a bidet. <laughs> I did. We finally, finally so. decided to do it. I, I, it sucks that it took this to make that happen because I've been thinking about it for quite a while. And, you know, the thought of it is like, oh, I don't know. I just can't wrap my head, my head around it. And I started reading lots of reviews. First, I started seeing people talking about getting them. That, that was actually my first thought. I, you know, okay, so just, just a disclaimer here. I think the reason why I think about these things is because I, I do live with chronic illness and I do suffer from IBS. So being able to have good bathroom access is kind of important to me. It's the one big thing 
that is really keeping me from being able to go out. You know, I'm seeing all these pictures of my friends going out to parks and going out to places. And my first thought is like, gee, that looks so, so nice. That looks so, so wonderful. So beautiful. Fresh air. Where do you poop? <laughs> you know, It's like, where do you go to the bathroom? How do you handle this? Maybe it's just easier for other people than it is for me. I don't know. I'm just such a germaphobe. I just, I need to have something sanitary because bathrooms are the place where you pick up the germs. So I've been giving toiletries a lot of thought. Let's just say I've, I've probably been obsessing about it way more than the average person should, and it's probably become unhealthy. But so we started to look at it and we started to think about design elements and how things are made and the price of things. Because when when the pandemic first started and they first started, you know, stay-at-home orders. And then when the first reports of people being of running out of toilet paper, first of all, I checked my supply. I was like, okay, we're going to be good for a while because we had just bought some because we always buy, you know, big bulk stores because we're a family of four. And, you know, we can usually justify those kinds of costs for now. Once the kids leave the house, then, you know, all bets are off. But we had just bought some not long ago. So we were good for a while. But I just kept looking at that diminishing supply and watching what other people were going through. And I thought, oh, shit. It's time to get a bidet, and what do you want to bet they're going to be sold out? And they were, and they were. And, you know, I started looking at them, the price gouging, you know, you could see. Remember a while ago we were talking about different ways to shop and, and, th- and buy things online, and we were talking about different types of coupon apps and money savers? Well, the Honey app I've talked about before, do you guys still use that? Is you still use eh, the yeah. extension? I, I just find it, eh. Well, I don't use it for any kind of money saving. I can't stand the little the little coin animation that pops up that drives me up the wall. But what it's really helpful for is seeing the price history. And so it's interesting to see just how much price gouging has taken place on some of these products. So it's almost like I don't play the stock market, but you know, when you watch people talk about stocks and you think, buy, 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 sell, 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 it's like, it's like, okay, the price, the price started to dip again. Let's go get one now. (laughs) So we went through this process of like, you know, staring at our our stash and then reading reviews and, you know, asking people, you know, what did you get and what, you know, features do you like and that sort of thing. And so I started pouring through all of these Amazon reviews of all these different bidet models and designs and things. Now, to be clear, this is just an attachment that goes on the toilet. We're not replacing like the whole toilet fixture because I know in other countries a bidet means it's a whole separate unit that's in the bathroom. And this just handily just attaches right to your toilet seat. So it's really convenient. And, uh, you know, I asked a couple of people online what they recommended and, you know, maybe they didn't have kids, so their needs were a little bit different. Or maybe they didn't care so much about having, like, dual sprayers. You know, there's all these different features. Here in Arizona, the water doesn't really get cold very often, so I, I was not concerned at all with the, the hot water feature, which is if you go four or five hours up north and head up to Flagstaff, then, yeah, you're going to want the hot water feature because it's ice cold up there. Um, so just evaluating all these different features and, and looking at all the different kinds of fittings and stuff. And we opted to spend a little bit more because, you know, we're talking about bad designs versus the good designs we talked about last time. And one of the things that I kept seeing reoccurring when it speaks to bad design was people complaining about the plastic parts, the plastic nuts, the plastic, you know, screws, the fittings, the, um, the pipe that goes from the water line up into the unit and stuff like that and, and having a difficult time trying to deal with all that. So we were thinking about, you know, what do we value? What kind of things suit our needs? Like here in our house, we have really, really hard water. So anything that is plastic and, you know, if it's going to break down, then it's not something that we want to just buy something cheap. So we ended up spending probably a little over, it was like a little over $60 or so, which is a little bit more than I would like to have spent. And I think, 
I wouldn't say it's price gouged, but it definitely the price has been raised over time. We probably if we would have jumped on it, we you know, before the pandemic, we probably could have gotten it for twenty dollars cheaper. But, you know, they're gonna raise prices, they're gonna they're gonna address the the supply and demand and you know, you're just kinda stuck with it. So we ended up getting a good model. In fact, uh, when we get to our picks, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But that's what we decided to to do to consider was metal parts versus plastic parts. So that's um, a lot of what we're going to be talking about regarding these articles that Elisa found about how things are poorly constructed and why they fail and why we don't like them. Do you guys want to move on into the articles? And did you give them sure. a gander and see what you picked out of the list? Uh, okay, here we go. <clears throat> um, yeah, like I say, that I think a good place to start because some of these overlap was the mm -hmm. uh, examples of bad design in the real world. And uh, the, the first one on the list here is labels in clothing. Mm -hmm. um, some of those drive me. I have is certain issues with labels. I don't, I have these t-shirts and they are the no label type. Uh -huh, you would uh -huh. think that would be good. But the thing is, so I'll have a, like, wear a T-shirt. When I go to bed at night, I'll pull the T-shirt off. I'll put it on the floor. Then when I get up in the morning, I don't turn lights on in the bedroom because Deb is probably still sleeping yet. Uh-oh, you put it on backwards, so, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, I like a label there so I can, you know, feel around. And, you know, and I don't know why. I've always thought in terms of people who are blind or, you know, can't mm -hmm. see, for some reason, you know, I, I think in those terms, too. So what mm -hmm. if a person... Sure. A, a blind person, um, you know, you get these no label uh, or labelless T-shirts or shirts or whatever. How do you tell front from back? Mm -hmm. Now, like this one has got a pocket on it. So you find the pocket, you know, that's the front. But, you know, you kind of have to feel around. But, you know, things like that. And then, you know, some other ones that, um, you know, that they put in clothing, It it's a little uh, irritating. But um... I, I know all about that because I have a son who has sensory processing issues and we that was one of the first things we started doing was trying to find clothing that had that was tagless. that didn't have tags. So, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I totally see your point. I think that probably people with with vision disabilities, they probably don't take their clothes off and lay them on the floor. <laughs> probably they well, probably have a system have by which they that. they organize things sure. so that they can find them again that way. Um, this list that right. that we're reviewing, this one is called. Uh, this one's called, yeah, you said examples of bad design in the real world. And this is by the site builder report. I found this list to be personally a little meh, a little whiny. Some of the stuff that they listed <laughs> on this list was like, really? Come on. Uh, the first thing that, that you referenced was, yeah, it was the, the pant labels. Uh, and we started talking about other labels of clothing, you know, labels that have washing instructions and size instructions and things like that. The one that they referenced in here was pant labels that tell you your waist and your inseam. And they're, the reason why, I mean, this was number one on their list of things that were poorly designed because not everybody knows what their waist and their length is. Come on. I just felt like that was a little whiny. Like, come on. You, everybody well, has like get... an idea, you know. Maybe it's well, just I, not I an American thing. The way I'm taking it is because I do get confused because I don't buy this often enough. So it says uh, the label that they have here is a 36 by 32. Mm -hmm. which so it's is a 36 inch uh, waist. waist. And a 32 inch inseam. Well, okay. And see, I think. See how wide it is across the top and how short it is in the length. Yeah. Well, so that I, too. You know, I think this could be like, this could be a sexist thing. This could be, do you buy your clothes, Mike, or does your wife shop for you? Yes. 
Well, my blue jeans. Anyway, I don't. Okay. I buy blue jeans and t-shirts. That's because my husband has the same kind of argument because I usually buy a lot of his clothes for him, or I, like I, I help him pick them out at least. Like he kind of has an idea, but he dreads it. He hates clothing shopping. He hates trying them on. He just hates actually having to look at those tags. So, and my other bias too is like I used to when I was when I was a youngster, I worked in clothing retail and I worked in men's departments, women's departments. So I, you know, I had to way back when I actually had to help tailor suits and like measure inseams and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was not fun, but uh, <laughs> so I, I guess I just I I have that knowledge, and I, I guess I just don't think that there's other people out in the world that might not know what the difference is. But it's it stands to reason why you wouldn't understand them what that is, especially if you don't do it very often. But it just seemed like right. really that's that's going to be your number one thing on the list. It just seemed kind of <laughs> I don't know. And the, okay. they, they they mentioned other things like uh you know bathrooms that you can't tell which gender is supposed to go in. It. Like well, oh, it must be nice that you get to go out to pubs and that's number two on your well, list. I, that really I, that's a problem. I agree with that one. I mean, just put <laughs> men's and women's. Yeah. And sometimes they want to keep the theme of the yeah. restaurant. Yeah. And sometimes you do have to look and go. Right. I. I'm not really sure which is yeah. which. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've run into that problem in the past. Like, if you've gone to some restaurant, if we've if we've had the privilege to go to a restaurant when we had little kids, and I was like, okay, which just tell me the one that's going to have the changing stall in it first, so I can change my kid's diaper. That's just you know, can you just do that for me? So, yeah, that's that's right. definitely an issue. Well, cute, cutesy naming schemes. Yeah. If it works, but there are times it's like okay, well, like the example they give here, I had to think about it the second. Mm-hmm. It's picture of two dogs. One is pointers, yeah. one is setters. Yeah. So I guess I get it, but you know I don't want to have to think, especially if I have exactly. to go. You I want to go. Think about it. And right. You're standing yeah. there like a jerk, going. I, I wouldn't. I'd be lost. I would have gone right. on the wrong one if it weren't for the damn eyelashes on the dog. There's eyelashes on the dog. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's lame. Well, I'd, be wait- I'd be waiting for someone to come out. Right. Or I'd probably go up to someone and say, okay, which is the ladies' yeah. room? Yeah. Why is it not marked ladies? Yeah. And they probably yeah. just yeah. do that the to next one with, with parking signs, yeah. that one's through. Because yeah. sometimes you read the sign and you go, what the hell does that mean? Right. Right. Or yeah, if you can I've even see the sign. I don't think they're printed large enough at times or they're, they're placed or they're in places. Or they're hidden behind yeah, hidden. a tree branch, yep. and, you know, a, a branch or a shrub. I mean, I failed my first driver's test oh. because the guy said I went through a stop sign. I said, where? And he oh. goes, over there. I'm like, there was no stop sign. Oh, it was behind the branch. Mm. Well, how was I supposed to see that? See, that they, they did that on purpose to mess with you. <laughs> And social media be. icons on print ads. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it disturbs me well, whenever this, whenever the school like sends out handouts and they have this like long ass URL and you're supposed to type that in by hand. Like, come on, you could have just sent me like a digital copy or something. But that's the only copy that you get. Then that's bullshit. But this, you know, in magazine ads or something, you know, so what? It, it tells you. It, it, it tells, tells you, you that go, they're take, engaged in social. That's all it tells you. Yeah. What. Well, it tells you go to Facebook, go to yeah. Twitter. You, you exactly. see the icon, you know where to look. Right. That to me is so visual that design. That's not yeah, stupid. That's I don't think that's bad. That's just letting readers know that this particular business mm-hmm. is on all available social media. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was a little whiny one. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't yeah. care for and that. And they have no. pedestrian yeah. countdowns. I mean, they they yeah. they claim that the pedestrian countdown sign at a crosswalk actually causes more. Uh, accidents than it prevents. I don't know about that. I haven't read into that, but I think that's a little bit of a whiny one too. It's like, it, yeah, on. I don't. It's a necessary thing for pedestrians, yeah. and plus those signs have like the beat for blind people to be able to cross the street, and you know that's necessary. So just be a good person, and you wouldn't have a problem with that kind of stuff. 
And ATMs, God, I don't, well, I can't tell you when was the last time I used an ATM machine. I've never yeah, used one, so either. I have no opinion. I've used one once or twice. The, the, the pedestrian one and the ATM for me are kind of non-starters because <laughs> where where I live, uh, we don't have very, I mean, okay, the crosswalk things, we don't have that many places. Town, I mean, in town here, we really never stop like Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and even in Watertown, where we go every weekend, they have stoplights. But I don't know; they may or may not have these. But we aren't walking, so again, that's a non-starter. And ATMs, like I say, I think I've used one, two or three times, not very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, kind of a thing of the that, past. Yeah. Now the next one, you know, okay, as a custodian, there are certain <laughs> things that get on my nerves. Yes, and like the one here. Yes, the one uh, like. Uh, push doors or push bars on doors that don't tell you which side uh-huh. to open that you have to push to open the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you either know it where... or you don't. <laughs> but yeah, look well, at you... this example. Does this example look like something you would pull toward you? No, no but, but it's gonna push... is it gonna open to the left or is it gonna open to the right? To the and right. I'll tell you why that's important. And Mike can probably back me up on this. When when I was a site tech in a school where it spans like two three different levels. You know, I'd, I'd be pushing a cart, a very heavy cart with computers and all kinds of equipments and stuff on it. And the way that I would approach this kind of door is I'd have to go up to it with my back, push up against it, and then, you know, try to maneuver the cart out the door. So for me, being able to get through a door like this with all of that heavy equipment, I kind of need to know, is it going to go open to the left or yeah. is it going to go open to the right so I know how to orient the, the, the wheels so that I can get through the damn thing. So that was one of the challenges was getting to know the layout of the site that I that I was the tech site for. I had to know like almost every inch of that place. And just like the custodians, you know, I was the one accessing kind of like the nooks and crannies, just like they were. I had access to all right. those all those doors that the, the general, the rest of the staff and the general public did you know never had a need to because I had to maneuver and get to places using those kinds of doors. And so yeah, that was a pain in the ass. Yeah, and, and doors in general, yeah, because I get you know complaints sometimes. Uh, and this is a, you know, kind of, well, sort of specific to the school. Uh, and I get complaints about it. And there's not much I can do about it. Uh, a, f- a few years ago, we put computer controlled uh, locks on uh-huh. some of our outside doors. Yep. And so what they did was they kept the old, uh, the panic bar, push bar mm-hmm. um, for the doors. And then they put the sensor behind it. Well, the problem is people push on it they, they don't always push straight to activate the sensor mm-hmm. or the other thing is too it's computer activated so you push on it, it has to send a signal to the computer and then it sends a signal back to the thing to unlock there's a pause there uh-huh. and i've had more than a few people oh the door won't yeah. work well no you either have to do it right or you have to wait right. and You're holding so it that wrong. is something you <laughs> basically yeah, so yeah that kind of uh drives me up a wall and like you have to explain it to people and then they think it's your right. fault it's like you're the one that yes. designed the doors and you're the one yes. that installed the system but it's all your fault for some reason yeah exactly yeah now the next one on the list here there is a way to find out now it says cars that don't indicate which side has the gas cap now i tried this on several different cars if you look at the gas gauge mm-hmm. there should either be an arrow or they'll have a gas pump, and whichever side the handle of the gas pump is on is the side that your filler cap 
is on. Interesting. All right, I'll have to check that tomorrow when I go out. You know, as you were saying that on picture, I'm like, he's going to say that it has something to do with the icon, doesn't it? It has something to do with it. I am going to have to check that out. (laughs) I haven't driven in months. Either there's like a little little triangle or like I say, the uh, the handle for the gas pump will be on whichever side of the pump your filler is. I'm not going to say that's always going to be the case because you have people that have ideas that they yeah. They shouldn't, but um, that is a. But you still have to, you know, look at the gas gauge. And you know, I guess for me, I guess it's not the end of the world. But it does yeah. kind of bug me when we, ha- when you have the filler cap on the passenger side. I ah. prefer to have it on the driver side. side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My cork, yes, because it's easier to drive up to the pump yep. and right. get right. out and deal with things. Now, do your gas pumps cold. have the type of things where you can pull it up and over the car to go to the other side if you had to? Most don't. They don't. Most of the ones okay. that we go to don't. Uh, yeah, they, they used yeah, to years ago, but yeah. not anymore. Huh? See, ours, ours you really does. have yeah. to put. You really have to pull up to the same side. When the last time I drove and filled up, you know, we usually go to the Sam's Club because that's where the gas is the cheapest. You know, having a membership, and uh, I like going there because you know, then they have a gas attendant, so you you're less likely to have to deal with credit card skimmers and stuff like that. Even though check anyway, that's another terrible design that should be on the list. By the way. <laughs> um, there should be contactless payment for that by now, damn it. Um, but usually you have to queue up. Like there's a lot of people waiting to fill up the tank. So you have to queue up and they have like, I don't know, like six bays or so maybe. Yeah. I think it's about six. And uh, I sit there and I wait for the one to open up. That's going to be on the side where my gas cap is. My husband doesn't, he doesn't care because you know, he's, he's Hulk. So when he goes up, he can just, you know, muster the, he can muscle the thing around and, and plug it in. doesn't matter what side it's on. But if I have to, I do, but I'd rather not. So I could see, right. I, I thought this was a little bit of a whiner type of thing to put on the list, um, but I could see how that would irritate people. But sure. if you know that tip about looking at the gas gauge, so I'm going to be really curious about that mm-hmm. and see if that applies okay. to both of our cars. Interesting. Okay. Yes. You probably like this next uh, one, all the left, all the, the right-hander uh, dust uh, for <laughs> the left-handed people. <laughs> well, again, from a custodial point of view, um, yeah, I prefer, okay, I'm going to go against what they say, because just from dealing with stuff, I would prefer to have them all on the right-hand side, because when you're putting desks down, then you don't have to stop and think, do I need to put it right or you're left-handed here or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and all the left, I feel bad for all and the all the left-handers, people. yeah, like my son, he's a left-hander, um, but, uh, yeah, and I get that it's tough for people, well, Kevin will beat me up, too, because I know he's a lefty, um, but, yeah, and it's I not get about it you, them. Mike. <laughs> you don't have to spend the time. That's why it's better to have those desks that are just a regular rectangle. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. maybe you have to slide in on yes. the right or on the left, but you still have the same size space no matter what you are, left or right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me wonder when those uh, were designed and like, was it, were they tone deaf? Like, what did they just not care about the, the people or what? Probably the 50s. Those are old. Because I that know. Looks like a college class. I know from that stories that my picture. grandmother's told me, I mean, if you figure this is within, she's 97. So this is within the last 100 years of our lifetime on this planet. There was a time when they still forced left-handed students to be right-handed, whether it was, you know, by cracking the whip on their hands or they were punished for using their left hand. I think that's terrible. So I have to wonder, I don't know that these desks are that old, but they, they could be. I mean, in this picture right. that's in this in this college well, classroom. and. The, the custodian solution to this, and I try to encourage the teachers, and most of them have, 
use tables, especially now when you have yeah. books and laptops. Yeah. Uh, because for us, it's easier. You haul out one table is equivalent to hauling out three desks. Mm -hmm. uh, it's quicker and easier when we have to empty out a room. And mm -hmm. like I say, I, I say, you know, you're the teacher. You do whatever works for you. But here's my two cents on this. And if it works for you, it makes me happier. Mm -hmm. Try to make the custodian <laughs> yeah. happy once in a while. Yeah, but the teachers I know uh, have a tough, t a tough time trying to design their seating charts to incorporate left-handers. I, I hadn't thought about it as sure. much until I helped out in the classroom. I was like, wow, that's, a, that's an amazing consideration depending on where you place those students well, so that they can, that they can when, write properly. When we, when we seat uh, ourselves to eat, we always have to make sure that Eric is mm -hmm. placed somewhere where he won't <laughs> slap somebody with his hand because yeah. he mm -hmm. tends to wave things around once in a while. So, yeah. yeah, we try to get him situated properly. We have to think about that. But mm -hmm. um, this next one for me, I... Well, I don't know. This is a couple of microwaves. Uh, yeah, but I agree with you, Melissa, as far as the whiny. I think this is pure yeah. wine. Big deal. Deal with yeah. it. <laughs> it's a microwave. It's got buttons. Be yeah. lucky I have one. Yeah. How many people know how to use uh, all the features of their microwave? Read the damn manual. Oh, yeah. You know what? As, right. as, like, just like uh, the tip that you gave us, Mike, about the, the fuel gauge icon, <laughs> my son, just the other day, my oldest son, just pointed it out to me, and I had no idea. I never paid attention. To, this is proof that it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter how many buttons are on the damn thing. I did not know that our microwave has a mute button on it. Because <laughs> so many times somebody will put something in there, and they'll forget about it, and just sits there going, beep. Oh, it drives me up the wall. And he, the one day I was like, I was whining about it. And he's like, Mom, look. And he pressed the mute button. I was like, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> okay. A mute button is a design feature I want to see on a lot of things. Uh, and exactly. People. Yeah, I'm sure people are pushing my mute button all the time. Um, all right. Do we want to go over the, any of the other lists? Um, let's do the seven bad designs of everyday objects you've become used to. Okay. Yeah, because there are there were certain things here that, uh, yeah, they did kind of like the well, not this so, is from the Ed Times. Not so much. Yeah, not so much for me personally, but like at school, the uh, the light things because Chris or you know uh, Christmas lights yeah, or decorative Christmas lights, lights whatever. Yeah. Um, one Everybody ball fails and they things. all fail. Yeah, and then you have to sit there and hunt that. Um, we don't decorate so much, but like at school, they want to decorate things. Or the other thing, well, I guess it's a design thing, but you have to explain to people why you have these lights that you can chain off of each other. Mm -hmm. And so you can have like one plugged into the next and onto the next daisy chaining off each other. Well, they want to put all these lights like when they're decorating for prom. They want to like string it. They put wire up. Uh, hanging from the ceiling, and then they want to hang lights on there, and they plug them in from one to the next to the next, and then they plug them in, and then suddenly half of it goes dead uh -oh. because there's little fuses, fuses in those plug-ins. Yeah. And so the one at the beginning of the link is drawing too much power because they uh -oh. plug too many other things in there, and you blow the fuse, and you have to replace it. And then you have to explain to people, no, we've got to split this up into more manageable chunks. Uh -huh. um, I think a lot of people are just too used to just plugging things and having it work. Well, uh -huh. when you start doing something on that scale, you have to stop and take it into consideration. How much power are you pulling? Um, you know, another, you know, a pet peeve that I have is when they have uh, uh, functions like food. Uh, they're serving food at, you know, something uh, activity going on and they would use the kitchen in the school, but it was never labeled. 
And so they would take like these big roasters or big coffee pots and start plugging them in. Uh-oh. And then they're tripping breakers all oh, over no. the place. Oh, no. Yeah, so That's got to be a nightmare. Fine. Well, it was until what I finally did was I got a, a radio because I was doing this by myself. I got a radio, plugged it in and went back and turned it up loud so I could hear it. And then went to the circuit breaker and started flipping breakers until that went off. And then I took a label maker. I was going to say, you got a label maker, didn't you? (laughs) Yes. And, yeah, I took a label maker and labeled each outlet with the breaker that it goes to. And then when they have activities, I tell people, I just, you know, keep it simple. Uh Plug, don't plug more than two devices into the same number. And they're, like, scattered around there because you got different. And it's kind of a willy-nilly fashion. It's not like everything on this wall is one breaker and everything over here. It's kind of like willy-nilly. Well, that would be my house, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, so I just put a label on there. Like I said, it corresponds with the breaker. So if they do trip it, they know which breaker, although you can see the little red thing there. But you go, you reset that breaker, but you know, and they just keep it real simple. No more than two roasters or coffee pot mm-hmm. on one number. And that makes it simple. But, you know, it's, how many, it's things for, how like many that. years did you have to suffer with that before you were like, all right, damn it, I'm just going to label everything in this place? <laughs> label all the things well in the kitchen at least um it was a few years and actually it was the first year that i worked that i ran into it because they had a funeral there it was a big funeral and people were plugging things and like i say it was you know it was a time of you know grief for everybody so everybody's nerves was a little on edge and i'm new there and i don't know the layout of things so i'm running around flipping and they're just breaking about baptism by fire uh basically yes um And so eventually I ended up stringing extension cords. We had one coffee pot plugged in our office. We had another in the hallway because I'm, you know, I'm just trying to figure this out as I go. And like I say, that was the birth of the idea. And then, yeah. you know, it actually, you know, the, the, the germination of the idea, the uh-huh. birth of the idea was labeling. I love those fucking ma- those label la- makers. Those are like, I can't live without one. I just love those things. Yes. And I know like uh, I, I can imagine something similar must have happened in one of the schools that my husband used to work at because I remember – visiting in there one time I was helping him clean his classroom or something and there's always like this area in between classrooms where you share like a storage area but there's a sink in there and your refrigerator and stuff like that and it looks like someone had a ship fit and was labeling everything I think that there must have been either some kind of an OSHA thing or something where everything had to be Mm. labeled because it was a science lab so of course you know there's chemicals all that stuff has to be labeled but somebody went a little bit overboard and they were like they were labeling water, which is essential because, you know, I've, I've known people to mix up rubbing alcohol and water. That was bad. Uh, you don't, you definitely, they look the same. <laughs> so there's definitely a need for things like water, but, you know, things like stapler or, you know, paperclip holder or, you know, things, sure. things that they were like, all right, just, I'm just going to label everything. <laughs> oh, you want to label, I, I, do you? <laughs> I, I can pretty much tell you what went on. It was, it was the protect my ass syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I'll, you know, they probably got chewed out for something. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, I'm going to label every single thing so that mm-hmm. nobody can blame yep. me for, I've been down that road yep. before. So, yeah, sometimes you <laughs> go over Somebody took it top. out on the labeler, I think. <laughs> yes. I thought that was funny. Now, now I, I'm skipping a few because we've done some of these already. But yeah. the one that growing up as a child, it drove me crazy. Those pencils with the little. Uh, <laughs> Lead pencils. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't think my kids. Uh, yeah, I used I don't to think use those. That they've experienced. Yes. yes, especially when I took mechanical drawing in twelfth grade. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, so it's the ones with the little. Uh, you got like little like, bullets or eight, little chambers. Ten. Yeah, and, and you so can you push one in, one and the other one pops out. out. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if you lose one, then you're kind of screwed because then right. you don't have anything to push it out with. <laughs> and, you know, some Press of them too more too hard, you break it. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. And so my thing was I uh, when I was doing, you know, that kind of stuff um, and I and I have a love for mechanical pencils, but I would just I get too. a good yeah. quality, you know, a regular mechanical pencil, not this half ass mm -hmm. solution that they got here. And, you know, but then it was like, you know, the lead, you know, sometimes um, you get the clicking and, you know, mm -hmm. you get too much out. And but, yeah, that was my solution for that. Or, or pencils like uh, colored pencils. I, oh, one of my biggest pet peeves is when kids or, you know, even my kids, I'm like, do not drop these. Do not be rough with these. You use it. You put it down nicely. You don't just throw it. Like, I am so picky about that kind of stuff because how many times have you gone and sharpened a colored pencil only to find mm. that the lead cracked inside of it because somebody wasn't careful with it? Oh, it drives me nuts. Right. Yeah. Pencils yes. Pencils have to be designed really well. Yeah. Just give me a Ticonderoga, a Ticonderoga or whatever it's called. Sure. Um, then we got umbrellas. For me, I don't mess with umbrellas that much. Do you have feelings? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't mess with them all that much either. And it's usually if we use them, it's not for rain, it's for shade. I, you know, mm. they get broken. I think I think that was a little bit of a whiner kind of thing to put on the list because, mm. yeah, they're going to break. Just, you know, invest in a good one if that's a problem. Because, yeah, cheap ones, sure. they're probably going to break. Have, right. mo have more then, than one. Then they got TV interfaces. Yeah, yeah. How many people love um, Hulu? <laughs> Not right. Well, the yeah. Apple TV is terrible. The app, the Apple, the Apple TV app. The app, yeah, the I'm app not... itself. Because yeah. if, you, because if you are looking to see what kind of shows does yeah. Apple have, do I where where is for mankind? Where is uh -huh. Emily Dickinson? Where it is, is this? Where is designed to deceive you. It's so hard to find. I'm like mm -hmm. scrolling through and I find CBS All Access, mm -hmm. Showtime. I'm like, where are the Apple mm -hmm. TV Plus shows? I, I have figured that they design it in such a way to maximize you ending up in a place where you will spend money. It's designed specifically for that. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a beta design. It's designed to be deceptive, I think. I mean, I'll still use it, but mm, it's I can use other things. So I don't really doesn't get me that upset and bothered about it because I can kind of see what's going on. Um, but I think what's the two things that are, that are going on in this list is, is TV interfaces and remote controls. And okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't, yeah. The, the, the Apple remote control has always been an issue. It's so damn slick and tiny and we've had to get like a case for it, a glow in the dark case and we still use, lose the damn thing. It's yeah, it's uh it's not the greatest design. Yeah. I it, find that the YouTube TV uh, interface is oh yeah that if you're looking if you're looking at the scheduling uh -huh. you can only go 23 hours ahead of time oh, okay yeah as opposed to when we had spectrum you could go mm -hmm. a week maybe 10 days ahead of time so if mm -hmm. you knew that next a week from tomorrow there's a tv show on that you want to record you could mm -hmm. if i want to do that with youtube tv i either have to remember to do it next sunday or if it's a special episode of I don't know, say it was, you know, the Big Bang Theory, mm -hmm. I would have to type in a search for the Big Bang Theory, find that show, mm -hmm. and then record it that way. Yeah, it's kind of amazing to me with as, no, as not many TVs good. that are out there, as many people have to interface with a TV. It's amazing just how abysmal a lot of the designs are. It really, really is. It's, it's just amazing to try well. to navigate them. Well, and then, and if you go beyond just the TV, you know, like with because now we have uh, 
Netflix and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Prime Video and trying to find something. Yeah, because that gets a little daunting. And mm-hmm. I've got Fire TVs, and you can say something, and it will mm-hmm. probably find it. And then you have several options on where you want to watch it. But, you know, not everything – like if you want to try and find something within, like, Hulu or something like that, uh, I think Fire TV works within Hulu. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, and then – I guess it understands me most of the time, but still, yeah, it can be a little problematic. And where is that show I want to watch or, you know, how to find it? You know, I think they're 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 all difficult. They're all clunky and trying. Oh, my gosh. So many people have tried to get these kinds of devices for like my my type of clients that are elderly or of a a vintage variety. And, oh, trying to explain to them. Like, I thought it was going to be so much simpler because at least on the Apple TV interface, the, you can set it up so it is very simple. I mean, I wouldn't even bother teaching them how to use the Apple TV app necessarily. But if if you try to say, okay, you like these shows, click this app, you know, and, and arrange them in the order so that they're only looking at the ones that they have to look at, you can make it simplistic, but they still just don't get it because they're so used to having the TV guide interface. They're so used to, right. you know, the Xfinity way of doing things. And even that is difficult to navigate. But at least it's it's either up or down or left or right. <laughs> You can't really do a whole lot of. Now, tell me if this has happened to you when you've watched a show on Netflix and on Amazon. Okay, now this is when Mm -hmm. you're watching a series. Okay, so you're watching, you know, doesn't matter what the name of the series is, what type, you know, anything, whether it's half hour, an hour, whatever. You've watched season one up through episode five, let's say, and there's 10 episodes. So you you know that you have to watch episode six next time, except when you go back onto Netflix, it shows that episode six, you've already watched yeah, it. Yeah, that little line that goes across is so yeah. confusing. Uh-huh. Because when you click on play next episodes, it comes up on episode seven. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I thought I was on episode six. So you go on Internet Movie Database and I read what it's about. And I'm like, no, I didn't watch episode six, but it shows that I already watched it. It that's, happens. That's why I all use this <laughs> time. If it is all... if it is a show that I am binging or that I am like trying to binge or I'm trying to get through, I really live in that iShows TV app. In fact, I recently showed I recently had my husband install it because it it hooks up to Tract. It's spelled T R A K T. We've talked about this on other episodes in the past, but it's called iShows TV. And we were having that issue too. Like he was trying to get through all of Grimm on on Prime, and he couldn't remember where he left off. So I had him install this. And that's what we've been using to track the episodes that we watch. And that's what I kind of rely on. Because, yeah, I can't stand that bar. It's, it's so confusing. It's like, wait a minute. I think I watched that. And then you have to, like, wait. And especially if it's something that loads a commercial, like if it's the Hulu app where you know, we don't. that, yeah. Yeah, you have to. Oh, my God. You have to sit there and watch all the commercials just to find out that, oh, I already watched this one. Oh, yeah, but, so what, but what I don't understand, though, is it's, it's showing that I watched an episode I haven't watched yet. Yeah, it's weird. I yeah. And then this, and YouTube TV does the same thing. If something is on and I only watch maybe the first five minutes because mm-hmm. I'm going to bed or whatever, mm-hmm. and then I go back to it later, two things happens. One, it shows I watched it in full. Uh, huh. And two, it doesn't go back to where I left off. Yeah. And see, and, and you don't have nice other people in your house, like little gremlins going in there and watching stuff like I do. And we don't watch it. My husband <laughs> yeah. and I don't watch the same thing. Yeah. So it's not like, well, he right. started watching right. it. Right, right. So with spec, well, at least when we had Spectrum, if I watched 20 minutes of a show and then I had to leave, mm-hmm. when I come back to it, you it be picks up right up where, where I left go. off, mm-hmm. exposed to YouTube where I have mm-hmm. to go all the way back to the beginning and fast mm-hmm. forward to where I know I left off. 
I think that's the problem with a lot of these bad designs is you kind of get used to the way something else worked and then you have you carry that same expectation with you to the next product and it's not designed the same way and then you get pissed off. I mean, in, in that case, it's really not, it is a bad design. It really is a bad design. It's not designed well. It doesn't do what it said it was going to do, which was to take you back where you left off. I mean, the, the indicator is there, but it's not doing its job. So it's definitely a, a bad design. So that was uh, TV well, interfaces. Um, yeah, and actually, I have the opposite problem sometimes because I don't quite let the episode play out all the uh, way, uh -huh. and then I go back to watch it, and it starts over again. And no, I've already watched this yeah, one, so then I have to jump forward. So, mm -hmm. um, okay, and then uh, a minor one here that I've had little issues with the handheld shopping basket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you put a put a bottle in there, it rolls to one side. I don't know. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Uh, this one is, yeah, this one is talking yeah. about having the handle in the center instead of on the two sides. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, yeah. and most of the places I go to, the handle's on both sides. Interesting. And it okay. also makes it easier to hold because you've got more um, more mm -hmm. power. You know, it's, it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's more balanced and it's stronger mm -hmm. yeah. to hold whatever you have in your okay. basket. These are designed like car seats. <laughs> no. This one, the next one, I think we all have. Yeah, something this to bitch this has got to be here. like this should be number one on all yes. of the lists. Yes, USB ports. The USB port. Uh, USB A yes, specifically. To... USB A. Yes. Well, you're trying to insert it, and like they say, sometimes uh -huh. you got to do it thrice because you try it, uh -huh. that's wrong. You try it, it's wrong. Then you go back to the first way. Oh, it works. Yeah. Um, and then they space them too close together because sometimes you have devices that uh, or. Uh, usb keys or something like that that have funky designs and won't mm -hmm. fit into the tiny space provided without blocking oh, yeah. some other yeah, port. Right. yeah so the, um, the people who design the actual things that get plugged into them like i, I go to do that and i'm like oh my god this person should be shot i hate to say that but it's like that's what it goes through my mind like this is terrible why couldn't they make it slimmer you know they know that the ports are not that that they're closer together they're not that far apart why would you design it that way just stupid. Um, I have to. Uh, I have two things that I wanted to add to this because I knew that this one was going to be a groaner. This one was definitely going to be on all of our lists. The USB A uh, port design. Um, did you guys ever hear the joke about the guy who designed it? So they say that he he died, and when he died, everybody came to his funeral, and when they went to lower his casket down into the ground, it wouldn't fit, so they had to pop it back up and rotate it around, and then put it back down in. <laughs> uh, Anytime I try to explain right. USB to people, I always tell that joke. Yes. Yeah, it's a groaner, but it I has mean, to be it's told. The, he didn't no, okay, actually die, one, though. <laughs> it's just a joke. Well, yeah. Well, and that's one of those things because USB, this is one of those things that's really schizophrenic. The idea yeah. behind <laughs> USB is a universal serial bus right. port that you can plug anything into. So, and I mean, they've used some clever, they've come up with some cle clever things. I mean, you know, we got a microphone plugged into it. We got a camera plugged into it. Uh, you can plug scanners into it. You mm -hmm. can plug hard drives into it. That, you know, the, the design of that is genius because when, you know, we first had computers, we had serial ports, mm -hmm. we had parallel ports. We had all these ports. And those are probably now... even worse because they had the little, mm -hmm. they're always circular with the little holes in them and you had to line it up yes. just right. So, that, so this or was actually PS. an improvement on yeah, that. Yeah, the, what's the word, the... Oh shoot! Not a parallelogram. What's the, I can't think of the word where it's wider at the top and narrower at the bottom. Trapezoid. Oh, pent or yeah, like yeah, trapezoid. 
Uh, it should be a pentagram because I think it's from the devil. <laughs> so I'm going to um, paste a link to another article that I wanted to show you guys later. We could put this in the show notes if you think it's interesting. But I pulled this up from Digital Trends because I was going to tell you that joke. And I thought, well, now, wait a minute. I'm going to say that the guy died and he didn't really die. So I wanted to be clear about that. It's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but I found this article on Digital Trends. And the, the headline is, the guy who invented USB finally admits it's annoying to plug in. <laughs> and so, uh, let's see, what is his name? Uh, Ajay Bhatt. Uh, they interviewed him and he talked about how he said, yeah, the biggest annoyance is reversibility. Uh, so they actually talked to him about it. And they said, <laughs> I, I can only imagine how that interview must have been. So about your sucky USB design. <laughs> I mean, like we just said, yes, it's been life-changing. It's been a wonderful design. He does go on to say in the interview that um, that there is a reason, although he regrets how it is so difficult to, to reverse it and plug it in. He said that at, that it was actually a compromise because they were going to design it differently and it was going to be round and it was going to be even harder to plug in. So it probably wouldn't have been that much of an improvement on the serial port design as it actually turned out to be. Um, but uh, he said that the reason why they designed it the way that they did is because of cost. You know, big surprise there, right? But people are, it says in the in the article, there's a quote that says, God damn it, triple the cost. It would have been worth it. <laughs> we would have paid more to save the frustration of having to plug it in so many damn times. But yep, it was it was a cost-saving measure to design it that way. And now we have USB-C. So the only, the only issue with that is, is adoption. We just have to get more USB-C things. I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, and then there was a third list that you guys sent here, and I'm not going to go through them all, but there was a couple. Um, well, the one here, again, that relates to the me as exasperating a... design flaws in everyday uh, objects. Yes, that okay. one. Yeah, mm -hmm. 10 exasperating. Yeah, so like I say, there's one in here that relates to me as a custodian because uh, I have to deal with them. I have to clean them, public toilets. Uh -huh. um, and that's why, because uh, when I started at the school, we had we've got several different bathrooms around the school. So the main ones that uh, the public goes into, we've always had auto flushers in there, hmm. but the locker rooms and the other classrooms was all, you had to flush it on your own. Mm -hmm. Well, the people wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And I would have to go in give there a choice. and deal with it. <laughs> yes. So finally I've been advocating for years. And finally, I think last year it was, they finally went and put auto flushers on almost all of the, uh, the fixtures in the school. Now, the ones in the main office, hopefully, in uh, they are adults. They will flush, and for the most part, they have. But yeah, so that was something I was pushing for was auto flushers because, mm -hmm. for me, it's a convenience thing. For other people, yeah, now it's more of a health thing. But yeah, uh, it's see, just a lot of people easier. Are about that. Mm -hmm. It just makes me wonder. I mean, now this this list that we're uh, uh, referring to is by the creative block and it's the 10 exasperating design flaws in everyday objects and I have a feeling that this is a European blog by the way that they spell certain things um, but yeah definitely toilets was where was it on the list oh it was number well, six then... public toilet it gets you thinking though I mean this, this is a problem over in Europe too it's a problem everywhere why was it never designed with a flush that you could use with your foot like why was it never sure. a foot pedal I just I wonder Wonder about that. Well, I think from a mechanical standpoint, I could see some testosterone-addled idiot punching it with his foot and breaking mm. it. Um, mm -hmm. I see. But uh, again, in a few years ago, this is probably, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, uh, I was pushing for, I wanted to get different toilet paper dispensers in there because the mm -hmm. ones that they had, it was just a pipe that you would put 
you know, two rolls of toilet paper on so that people could use off both of them. Oh, well, yeah, then you'd have I a big you event. Us about this. Yeah, and so it didn't have the else? capacity. Yeah, so finally, and I looked around, and again, this is one of those things. I took this kind of thought into the, uh, you know, the, the designs into account when I was getting this stuff. I wanted something that would have a large capacity because trying to get into these bathrooms, especially the women's bathrooms, mm-hmm. when there's something going on to replace or replenish the toilet paper as a pain. So I found it would hold three rolls, and the other thing was, I have to use bathrooms too i you know some of the stuff that can double as sandpaper i didn't want that uh so i wanted some you know decent quality toilet paper so yeah i put some thought into that i just didn't go out and find the cheapest you do some thing quality control testing over uh, like the yeah. imagine. <laughs> this is so, brand yeah, a like this say, is brand b this brand we've so secretly looking, replaced it with seashell dust well yeah well, and and, the thing, and like I say, I went with a three-roll design because you can get like the huge, you know, it's like, you know, the 30-pound roll of toilet paper or whatever it is. But that stuff there, it's thin and it's crappy. So, like I say, I put some thought into that. And I, I think, you know, a lot of the – I think things with design is you kind of have to think these things through. And maybe mm-hmm. I overthink things sometimes. But when it came yeah, but to somebody's this, got to. Somebody's got yes. to obsess over it. That's the only way that this shit is yes. ever going to get done is if somebody obsesses over it and says, no, this is really a problem. This is an efficiency issue you know? here. Well, and I think I drive some people crazy at school because I am that guy that sits there and think, yeah, you could do this, but what's going to be the problem further down mm-hmm. the road? And I think there's times they just want to go, Mike, shut the hell up. We want to just do this. Well, they want to do well, it the cheap way. You know, Do you want it done right or do you want it done right way. now? Right. Yeah. The cheap way, the easy way, whichever. Um, and like I say, and I kind of annoy them, but I think hopefully once in a while they realize that, you know, yeah. hey, I did, you know, think this through a little. And even I can screw up. I'm not perfect, but I am <laughs> that guy that has that stops and that consider on that. So I, don't, so I don't know. Maybe well, I should have become a designer. If we look at the Business Insider list, I think we can all agree that the number one for probably in our lives even worse than the USB, is the product wrapping that you have to cut with a scissor oh, and you break the scissor. Frustration wrapping. Remember, remember back in the day when we used mm. to buy CDs? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you couldn't get the damn things out of the package. Mm-hmm. And then once you finally got out of the package after you broke two pairs of scissors, or sometimes I would take a razor and try to do it, and I'd break the, you know, break the little bit of the tip of the razor too. Then I couldn't get the cellophane off the CD Mm-hmm. So you're trying to get That's... that out. And then you can't get the damn CD out of the package. You know, like half an hour right. it takes you from the time you get home from the store to the time you're finally putting it in your CD player. And then I can't stand when you have to buy things for things. So they wrap the package. And what do you have to do? Well, somebody invented a little a little cellophane thing with a blade in it so that you could open them. Like, then you have to have that thing around. Like, you have to have, you know, basically like a can opener just to get your damn plastic uh, packaging open. I actually have... One that has that someone went, you know, took a trip to the Apple store or something, the, you know, in Cooper, uh, the Apple, you know, Infinite One campus in Cupertino and brought back a souvenir. And it was one of those little tiny, it's a little square Bondi blue with the Apple mm. logo on it. And it was a CD opener. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But now I have to have a thing for uh, this thing. You know, it's like, oh, that's great. Now, I've, now another tchotchke, you know. Oh, yeah, yes, that's really irritating. Th- and that's why I keep a box cutter handy because then I can just push the blade out, stab <laughs> it, and pull it and cut it. Mm-hmm. And it gives me yeah, satisfaction. Aren't you afraid though? I, like I'll go to Staples and I'll buy something. You know, uh, it, it could be um, a um, flash drive. 
something like that. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I hope I don't have to return this because I right. am totally destroying this. I've got the yeah. box cutter. I'm ripping it. But then I can't rip it too much. And I'm going to take my scissor and cut it the rest of the way. Hope that there's no blood right. on my fingers, you know, mm-hmm. from cutting myself on the package. And I'm thinking, if I have to return this, this is just the way it's going to well, be. Right. And yeah. isn't there well, like a pricing a tier on Amazon where you can buy buy it with frustration free packaging like you actually pay a difference so. in price so that you don't have to deal with that packaging like why is there even a choice why, I've never why is it seen just that. all not frustration why is it i've never seen it as a price issue i've just seen it as hey we're selling sending this to you in mm-hmm. frustration free packaging I've never I, seen, I, at least for me, I've ago, never maybe seen a maybe they difference. changed it and they don't have a price difference. I know a long time ago you could pay a little bit more. It could have been shipping though, and I thought it was for the price, uh, the frustration-free packaging. But I know that there's a choice. Like you can actually choose the difference of the two, and at, at some point in time there was a price difference. But the fact that there's a right. choice means that it could actually be wrapped in something that's not gonna cut yourself. So why doesn't everything get wrapped that way? I don't know. I, I guess it's a shipping. I guess it's a supply chain thing. I guess it's a shipping thing. You know, the way that it's packaged is uh, indicative of how it's loaded on the truck or something. Well, then load the truck differently. I don't know. I mean, but it's just, it's ridiculous. And then it all goes into a landfill. How much of that packaging is biodegradable? That's And also, look at the example on the Business Insider. Look at the size of that package and look at the size of that mini, it's a mini Bluetooth dongle. Yeah. Yeah. Look it's at the size of that, which is probably the size of maybe your first, you know, your, the finger from your fingernail to the first knuckle mm-hmm. in that huge packaging. Yeah, that's just such such a waste. I just things and not only that. So electronics are definitely a culprit. And um, I would say that the beauty product industry is a big culprit. The way that things are packaged it's almost like I'm trying to think of like I know in the beauty industry like didn't wasn't it you Mike somebody gave us an example of a yogurt cup where yeah the dimple on the bottom now I know just from studying advertising design when I went to college like we all learned a lot of you know the deception tricks that advertisers use as to how to get the consumer duped into thinking that they're getting more product so I have to wonder what is the deal with this tiny little USB thumb drive why is it in such a big package? Do they think that bigger is better? Is it a psychological thing? You know, I'm, I'm looking at this, studying it, trying to think, you know, why did they design it that way? Why do they need that much packaging for such a small product? I mean, it could fit it could fit onto uh, a business card and you would yeah. still well, be able to get display, the same amount of information. Display purposes. Yeah, yeah display that, purposes that, when you hang also, it in the store. For all that information that they're putting on there, but there's got to be a better way. Yeah, there's got to be a better way. A box, it's... maybe in a box. Well, nowadays, I mean, nowadays you could use, you could just put a QR code on there and just get the QR code for more information. But I, it's just, it all has to do with consumer packaging and advertising and psychology. It's all psychology based on how do you get this consumer to buy more. You either design it for obsolescence so that it has a piece that breaks that's a single point of failure. Or you design it deceptively to make the to make the consumer think that they're getting more product than they actually are, and then they have to buy more, and then it's just it's just the waste that piles up. It just drives me crazy. Well, okay. In in defense now, you know the where you said the deceptively large. Um, I used to work in a potato chip plant, and uh-huh. one of the criticisms that we got was. Well, you only fill the bag, you know, half, three-fourths full, right. uh, you know. Okay, here's – there's two things there. First of all, you have settling. The stuff's going to yes. settle as it's shipped. But first – but, you know, more importantly, 
you need a certain amount of room to get the product in there and then get mm -hmm. it sealed. Mm -hmm. um, so that is, that's not deceptive. That is more a practical aspect of it. But, it's just yeah, a letdown when you things. open the bag and you're like, really? That's yeah. it? <laughs> Yeah, no, and I and I get that, and like you say, and you know, and like I say, because when you package this stuff, you have to put air in there, right? Because to, otherwise, you know, the chips open the would be crushed up. if there wasn't air floating right. around in there. So yeah, yeah, I, so, yeah, I figured and, that's what that was about. But there are there are things that I think are definitely deceptive when it comes to uh, packaging. Well, and cereal boxes was on multiple versions of these lists, <clears throat> and I guess the the issue is. Not just cereal boxes, but anything that's got a little tab, like insert tab A into slot B, it never kind of works. You you pull it off and it rips. My I started making a list of these things and I started thinking, okay, am, if I'm going to bitch about this, then what's a better alternative? And when it comes to the bitch and the gripe about cereal boxes, well, my my alternative is then just don't keep it in the box. I have um, a couple oh, of different plastic right. Uh, containers with lids, mm -hmm. like rubber-made rubber lids where you flip it yep. and then you can pour it. That's what we do. So my solution is yep. just either don't yeah. buy box cereal because it's probably shit anyway. So the better thing to do if you can, if it's practical, if it's affordable, is to, well, nowadays it's going to be difficult because I was going to say dry goods. If you go to stores where there's dry goods and you can scoop it out and, you know, just buy what you're going to need for, for a while and pour that into there, that's going to be difficult to do. But even still, um, now that we're dealing with, you know, virus possibly being attached to cardboard and, you know, it getting stuck in the fibers and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I just worry about that sort of thing. So we don't have the cardboard coming into the house. So as soon as we get that kind of right. food, we take it right out of the box and we put it into another receptacle and then it can come inside. So that's my, well, my solution to that is to just have a better we, box. Well, and we get cereal in bags because <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's the knockoff brand, but, and, and we put it in, uh, like I mentioned, my wife likes lock and lock. So the same mm -hmm. thing. We have stuff. You pour it in a container, put it in. But I do have a gripe. Um, if you were trying to keep it in the bag, sometimes you're trying to rip that perforated tab off, and sometimes it rips the bag. Sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, And it's got the little uh, pinch and close seal on there, which is fine yeah. if you don't which rip does, If you don't rip it, yeah. But it doesn't always work. Right. I've right. got so, that on other products. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it was it's, it's a problematic. It was a good thought. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to sure. actually, you know, right. work with, uh, well. Right. Um, a couple of the other things that I wanted to mention that I saw on the list that I thought of, you know, better alternatives. One of them was uh, bad would be toiletry packaging. So we're back to toilet and restrooms and things like that. But I'm always thinking about uh, toothpaste tubes and shampoo bottles. And those are the kinds of mm. things where they're just horribly designed. You can't get all of the product out of it. And I'm a penny pincher and I want to get all of the product out of it. So one of the things I might consider in the future is um, for, I don't know exactly what to do about the toothpaste. I mean, we have one of those little squeegees that we put on our tube and we squeegee it all out. And, you know, the kids... When they were little, they used to waste a lot, and that was a problem. But I'm trying to teach my kids, you got to, like, you know, squeegee the tube. They just want to, like, take a bear paw and claw it to death and try to get the toothpaste out, and it just ends up wasting a lot. So we're trying to teach them better habits when it comes to that. But as far as toiletry bottles are concerned, like shampoos, conditioners, um, have you guys seen shampoo bars or conditioner bars? It looks like a soap bar. So there is no packaging. So you just use that to wash your hair instead. Um, I, I would, do. Mm. I do have an article like that. that talks about the pros and cons of it. Right now, I think maybe because it's kind of a new concept, they're a little on the pricey side, but you're supposed to be able to get more washes out of one bar compared to a bottle and then not have to 
have any waste. So there's some trade-offs, but um, people had said, you know, they don't like, like their hair gets tangled because they're rubbing the bar on their hair. And so the alternative was to lather it up a lot and then put it in your hair. Like you normally would if you were pouring the shampoo into your hand. So I thought that was an interesting way to disrupt that whole thing. And one of those things, it's one of those positive design things that it only took people, I don't know, a hundred years since they've been bottling and packaging stuff, bottles that you can set upside down. Mm-hmm. So everything drains like towards ketchup, the end. Like ketchup, ketchup, mustard. Yes. Yep. Or, or the soap and, uh, or it would be nice if they were designed that way, because when I start to get down to the bottle, I will turn it upside down in my mm-hmm. shower stall there and leave it that way and hope I don't knock it over because it's on the little round mm-hmm. lid. Not And know, again, not having to get, way. Instead of them just designing that way, no, you have to go and buy another product. You have to buy a thing for a thing. They do well, actually make these things that you put the bottle into, and it will just hold it there for you and let it drain out. And I was tempted to get it, and I thought, no, that's just that's freaking bullshit. So I didn't get that. But what I did get was um, I, I'm a big uh, believer in decanting. So I like to just buy a bigger bottle and just decant it into a smaller bottle to keep into the shower so that we don't have these huge bottles around. So that's what we started doing because things were getting really difficult because of supply chain again. Things were getting difficult to order. So instead of getting, you know, the smaller bottles that we normally get, I started looking at buying in bulk when it comes to shampoo and conditioner. Because with the four of us, I mean, we're all washing our hair. I mean, it's it's something we're going to use anyway. So why not just buy it in the gallon jug? So that's what I've been doing. So I did get one of those little gadgets that you put on and it's like a funnel, like two funnels so that you can turn one over on top of it and into the next one so that's that's something i'll be doing but i think with the shampoo and the conditioner at least um i know i've got pantene right now in the in the um in my shower the shampoo the opening is at the top the conditioner is at the bottom so that way so that way you can just tell by feel yeah right if you've got the shampoo or the conditioner Mm -hmm. Mm. that's true yeah i think it's just one of those things or, or you know if it was a bar i think you would tell by the smell of it maybe because you would have different scents for different purposes maybe if that's an issue because no. if you got soap in your eyes you know, okay. might not be looking at it yep no. so let's see well, what else. oh inkjet cartridges was the other thing i don't know how much you guys oh, print yeah. i mean we yeah. don't print nearly yeah. as much as I don't we see them used as a problem. to but um it's always been a problem for me being in the graphics industry because you know for so many years i did have to print a lot of things and for so many years i was like really super picky about dpi and about inks and archival inks and how they looked and how they sprayed on the paper and like all this stuff and um i run into a lot because of my clientele they still insist on printing everything that's just how they are i, I try to convince them otherwise but they still have to print things and for the kids school at least you know we've had posters and you know there have been quite a few school assignments and work assignments and things that have had to be printed. And um, we have a really, really wonderful uh, workhorse of a printer, thanks to thanks to our buddy Kurt. Um, but this is one of those ones that has been designed with the type of inkjet cartridge that does take in that does take that into account, where they design the cartridges to last a lot longer. Um, I have some older uh, inkjet printers that I wanted to, it's like one of those things that's on my list that I'll do in my imaginary time, but I was really interested to find out how to use syringes and I had bought like a kit that has, you know, ink and bottles and to try to refill my own because that was really a problem for many, many years was the way that those inkjet cartridges were designed. I mean, it was so bad that the cartridges cost more than the printer itself. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys have seen that, but in stores down here, 
you can't just buy cartridges. You have to go get them where they sell the Sudafed. <laughs> I mean, they've got it locked behind the gate because they're expensive. It's mm. just nuts. Mm. And I just think that's one of those things that were designed with obsolescence in mind. I think they were designed to, again, deceive the, the consumer and try to get them to buy more. And that's just, no, I'm not having it. There's got to be there's got to be a better way. The only other thing okay. we talked about that was on my list was TV remotes and how, you know, bothers me with um, the way that the remotes are designed. They're always so complicated. Um, and the thing that I was going to add to that that wasn't on the list that I was really kind of surprised that I did not see was, um, <laughs> I, I hate to pick on Apple, but they <laughs> they have made, they're, they're notorious for their, their bad mouse design. Do you guys remember the hockey puck mouse? I was really kind of, I guess these were more modern lists. I don't know. But it seemed like I couldn't believe that that hockey puck mouse wasn't on the list. And then if it wasn't bad enough for the hockey puck mouse to be such a terrible design that everybody hated, now it's the Apple mouse. It's the Magic Mouse 2. Um, I don't know if you if you guys have a Mac that uses that. I don't have one personally, but my clients complain about them because they're the kind. it's the kind where it plugs in on the bottom. So you have to wait oh. until it's charged until you can use it again. <laughs> it's just, why didn't they put it in the back? I don't know. So that was my other my other beef with bad design. Okay. Well, now that we've got all our bad designs off our chest, let's see what we would pick and buy. And our uh, amount this week was 20 to $80. So why don't we start with uh, Elisa here? I think she's kind of itching to go in the great outdoors. Yeah, my husband told me today we need a new umbrella for the deck. Uh, we've got the stand, but the umbrella was shot to pieces. I ended up going to Walmart and getting one for 28 bucks and it works perfectly fine. But this one I found on Amazon is called a best choice product, seven and a half foot outdoor solar patio, patio umbrella for deck. That's cool. And I like it. What I liked about it is it has built in lights. Yeah. So, which is nice for the evening. It's solar powered. So you have to worry about plugging it in. It angles. <laughs> it does everything that, you know, you expect an umbrella to do. So really there's really nice not a whole too. lot to say about it. Yeah, I like the red one. So I picked the red. Well, but it does come in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It looks like 10 different colors. Two, four, six, eight, ten 10 colors. And it's uh, right now $65. And that is kind of cool. And because uh, we have our canopy out back and we got some uh, uh, string lights or whatever they call them. And it's solar powered because I didn't want to be so horse with batteries. But you had to mount the... the uh, solar collector you know someplace where the sun can hit it you got to get it so it doesn't fall down and having it built in is kind of neat but because we were back there we didn't want to turn a lot of lights on to attract the bugs but having mm -hmm. some there so you could at least see who you're talking to or whose glass you're picking up would be kind of cool so mm -hmm. that looks uh kind of neat and then um uh, Melissa, you were hinting at yours, well, you weren't hinting, but here's the specific one that you bought. So, yes. so this is the one that we decided to get. This is the bidet that we finally decided on after after many many uh, hours poring over reviews and reading them all. Uh, this one is made by I, I guess you would pronounce it Lux, like luxury, it's spelled L-U-X-E, and the one that we decided to get was the Lux Bidet Neo One Eighty Five. Now, this is a non-electric bidet. We were talking about, you know, how well things are designed, how poorly things are designed. We like the idea of this one not having more parts to break down. So this is non-electric. Um, it's self-cleaning. It's got dual nozzles. It's got easy water pressure adjustment, which it really, really does. You know how the, the headlines are really long. And it says uh, for sanitary and feminine wash, and it's blue and white. I don't really care about the color so much. 
Um, but this was the one that was available that was a couple dollars cheaper at the time. Um, it was around $60. It's, it's right now it's $59.95. I think it's a little price gouged. I looked at the history and, you know, probably you could have gotten it uh, a month or two ago at $20 less. Um, but compared to some of the other designs that we were looking at, the thing that was the most important to us was the fact that it has metal parts. It has a metal hose, you know, braided metal hose, and it's got metal fittings. My, the only, um, it's not really a complaint, but it's just like a, a detail that my husband wishes that was designed a little bit better was just the one area where you connect the hose up into the unit where the controls are. Um, he feels like that that area should have been made out of brass because it's the plastic part that attaches to the whole unit. So, you know, he kind of hulks things when he puts things mm. together. So if he had over, luckily he, he saw that and like he knew he had to just take his time. And this must have been a very easy install because I don't know about you guys, but I did not hear any swearing. He didn't have to make any additional <laughs> trips to the hardware store. So I'm like, okay, when's it going to break? <laughs> Well, that's a plus there because I've gotten involved in projects yeah. like that. Yeah, and there's yeah. cursing, there's swearing, and, and it's not and like I say plastic is problematic. Yeah, and it's not a dig on him. I mean, it's not like he's he can't put things together. Of course he can. He's he's smart. He can figure stuff out. He actually does read the instructions. Like he kept saying as we were looking at the different designs, he was like, "Okay, but does it have an exploded view? Does it have an exploded view?" Because he wanted to see, you know, what all the parts were. Um, and this one, at least in in the uh, the pictures that you can look through it's not necessarily an exploded view but it does show you what all the parts are involved so that that was really important to us so that we could evaluate okay how much of it is plastic how much of it is metal so here we have like i said before we have really hard water so we're concerned about you know things getting through you know dealing with hard water um, mm -hmm. but that was the only issue that he had with it and it, and it wasn't even necessarily didn't cause any problems installing it he just knew that, you know, when he looked at it and examined it, it was like, okay, here are plastic threads. Then he knew he had to be really gentle with it. But everything else just, it worked. It worked really well. And I have to say, I mean, this is one of those ones where I don't know exactly, it, I don't know, it must be an American product um, because you know how you get products and, you know, they're, they're assembled in China, but, you know, they're actually made in China and the, the, uh, the, the manuals that come in, they're not very good English. This one was really well written and you can register it and get an extended warranty. And the thing that I like about it the best is their website. It's beautifully designed and you can go get spare parts. So I might even consider, mm. you know, buying a couple of spare parts that I think, you know, what if it might break down or, or something. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend this one. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. There's um, the only difference is there's a blue one and a white one, and, and it's only the, the dials. Um, I, you know, because I'm, I'm a lady, so I wanted the one that had the lady setting, and I won't go into too much detail about that. You'll, you got to get one and, and figure it out for yourself. But, you know, it's one of those things where you get, you think, oh, God, here we go. All right, we're just, we're going to have to do this because we, we still can't find toilet paper every time we go to try to buy it. I know in other places the stocks are getting shelved again. Well, it hasn't happened here. So I said to the kids, I was like, look, we got, we've got to, we're just going to have to just, we're going to have to suck it up. We're going to have to do this. This is just going to have to be a thing now. And uh, once we installed it and used it, we all took turns like, okay, come on, try it, try it, try it. And we sat, stood there by the door listening and you hear everybody's reaction. It was really funny. I turned into a major 12-year-old for a couple of minutes and that was pretty hilarious. And then once I got over that, I was like, why didn't we do this sooner? Americans are so dumb. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're, we're independent, I guess. But yeah. you know, maybe, it, I don't know, I've thought about it too. Maybe... Well, I'm here to tell too, you, just go bad, ahead but... and do it already. 
I'll have to, the thing is, I have to get it past the inspector general. I mean, my wife. I know, uh, right? So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so I, we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, for my pick, um, and, you know, we were talking about sustainability and reusability and everything else. And there aren't too many things that a person can fix on their own anymore. Uh, your appliances, a lot of, you know, that stuff. But one thing that can still be fixed is your bicycle. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, spring here and if you want to and I now that the weather's finally getting because we've gone through kind of a cold wet spell. But now that the weather's getting better. I need to get back on my bicycle and ride. But you do have to repair it once in a while. And a good repair kit uh, and the Internet's a wonderful place to find out how to fix things. But a good repair kit for your bicycle. And I found this one on Amazon. It's the I'm not going to try and say that you you Becky. That's bike. what I would have said. <laughs> Sure. Y-B-E-K-I. Sure. Uh, yes, bike repair toolkit. Um, but it's got uh, all the different hex heads that you would need to uh, adjust things, uh, Phillips and flat heads, and looks like Torx and the Allen wrench and chain repair kits and uh, a crescent wrench, although uh, the thing about crescent wrenches is you have to be careful so you don't round off nuts, but mm -hmm. uh, they have their place. But uh, they, it looks like a fairly decent and comprehensive uh, repair kit. It's got a chain link removal tool. So if you need mm -hmm. to shorten your bike uh, or put it, uh, your bike chain or put it together, it uh, looks like some tire patching and stuff in there. And that is uh, $55, $56. But uh, like I say, to have that in hand, he's even got like a little Leatherman tool in there. Yeah, with, I was going to uh, say, I recognize that right away. Yep. It's one of our yes, favorites. with the needle noses, which are mm -hmm. needle noses, is always good to have. But and I do have uh, it's not this extensive, but I got a bike repair kit. And but like I say, it it's one of those things. Uh, you can still repair your bike. It's not like good luck trying to repair your car. Right. Uh, you need like a master's degree in electronics and you know some of this other stuff. But and this looks small so enough. You is, could attach this to your bicycle and take it with you. Yeah, and I do have some. The one I have, which I say is the simpler one, I do have it so it's strapped underneath. This one here is a plastic case. Uh, maybe if you had a uh, uh, bike rack mm -hmm. or uh, a luggage carrier, you could put it in there. But still, it's good to have on hand to do that stuff. Good pick. But I think, yes. And so now I think with that, we will start to uh, draw things to a close. And as we always do, we will introduce ourselves so people can find out where um, where we what what else we do. So, um, Elisa, why don't we start with you? Where can people find out more about what you do? Okay, on Twitter at Sensei Dai, also at 3GeekyLadies.com with the number three spelled out, which is the podcast I do with Suze Gilbert and Vicki Stokes. We put out an episode just about a week ago with Victor Kahiao. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, so we talked about his nomadic lifestyle. He lives part of the year in a RV, traveling the country, then part not too far from you, Mike, in South Dakota. Yep. And we talked about how he uses technology while he's on the road. Oh, great. Okay. Um, okay, and, and Melissa, where can people find out more about you? You can find more about me. I'm online uh, at The Mac Mommy, and you can visit my website, themacmommy.com. And the episode that I did with my friend Patrice is now live. And if you go to um, foodieflashback.com, you can hear the episode that I did with her. And I think it turned out really nice. 
Okay. And if you want to find out more about what I do, just head over to Mike-McPeak, that's M-C-P-E-E-K.com, and I have uh, all the stuff that I do there on my webpage. And if you want to find out more about the show, head over to geekiestshowever.com. Reviews and comments on iTunes are always welcome, and we thank everyone who does that. We hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we have, and don't forget between now and next week to wave at a geek or whatever we're doing for social distancing now. So, um, But with that, we thank you, and have a good week or two weeks. Looking for a podcast to get your geek on? Then listen to my favorite ladies podcast, The Three Geeky Ladies. Join Alyssa, Suze, and Vicky as they discuss tech products and other topics that caught their attention. The Three Geeky Ladies podcast on the My Mac Podcasting Network.